Welcome to Matt Is This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. Every two weeks, we meet up to talk about what really matters to you as a professional project manager. We're dedicated to helping you grow, to help you get better at your job. And we do that in several ways. We interview guests who are managing challenging projects in the real world, and we learn from their real-life experiences. We share tips and tools and trends from authors and experts in the field of project management and program management. We want to help you reach that next step. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me are two guys who have enough real-life experience that we could spend hours picking their brains, Andy Crow and Bill Yates. And Andy, we're always on the lookout to help project managers improve, and we're devoting today's podcast to the subject of certifications. Yeah, the credential of the PMP exam. And you know what, Nick, it's fun because this really does impact people's lives in some significant Mm. and measurable ways. Mm. Now, the Project Management Institute released the sixth edition of the PMBOK Guide in September of 2017. The PMP exam changes on March 26, 2018. So today we're going to focus on two main topics, an update on the changes found in the sixth edition and some practical advice and tips for those who want to pass the exam. And to do that, to help us out today, we have another expert joining us, Lewis Alderman. He has a lot of letters after his name, (laughs) MBA, PMP, PMI, ACP, and CSM. He's the manager of curriculum development at Velocity. Lewis, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, before we dive in, I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit more about your role at Velocity. Well, you mentioned my title as manager of curriculum development. My role is to do anything and everything that it takes to accomplish that that's not illegal or immoral. My background is engineering and project management. Um, and I've enjoyed bringing all of those uh, skills and uh, abilities to Velocity. I've been here since uh, 2005 uh, developing curriculum, and it's uh, a lot of fun. Well, we're so glad you're with us today. And So let's dive right in. Let's talk about the new and much bigger PMBOK guide. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> holding it in my hands here right now, Nick. It's big. Okay, guys, how, how much bigger are we talking about? It's bigger. It's uh, it's significantly bigger. It's about 30% bigger. So the fifth edition, just page count, had 589 pages. The sixth edition, a whopping 756 pages. Mm. And uh, Lewis did some analysis on the inputs, tools, techniques, and outputs. I did, Andy. You know, officially, there are 665 instances of inputs, tools, and techniques, and outputs. But some of those tools are groups of tools. If you include all of the sub-tools in those categories... The total actually goes up to a whopping fourteen hundred forty-four. It is whopping, and I don't think I don't think you can really do an honest analysis without counting them that way. I mean, we've mm. looked at it and sliced it and diced it a number of ways. Mm. Fourteen hundred and forty-four. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, a quick example of that, like you look at data analysis. That's mm-hmm. one of the top levels, but then underneath that, you've got all these other types of analysis. Okay. Let me be the engineer here. Okay. 27. 27 types types of analysis in that category. So that's how you get to 1444. It really mushrooms. Man. So let's uh, get started. You know, we we got a long way to go. 1444 items to talk about. Let's take (laughs) them one by one. No, no. where where do we start with all this? Yeah. One of the things that uh, is new for the sixth edition is Agile. 
agile and iterative concepts have been introduced into this sixth edition of the Pinbot Guide. That's a big philosophy shift, isn't it? It really is. I mean, traditional uh, waterfall. Predictive. Yeah, predictive. That was the flavor of the day for the first five editions, really. Right. You know, we talked about the word iterative here and there and progressive elaboration. But now in the sixth edition, there is a notable shift with this, this idea of introducing agile concepts. You we know, see a few of them sprinkled in, but you see them even in every knowledge area. Well, you do. Uh, it's kind of unusual the way it's done at the end of each knowledge area. Now, the PMBOK guide is shipped with an agile practice guide. Mm. So this comes with it. Um, and then at the end of each knowledge area, you get a perspective. So say on communications, they give the agile, agile perspective on communications. Say on scope, you get the agile perspective on scope. That part doesn't work so well for me because mm. it comes across as an afterthought. Mm. And when you read it, you look at it, and it's almost like someone got to the end of the chapter and thought, eh, now what do I do with it? Mm. So I'm not crazy about the way that's done. And by the way, you know, people do listen to this podcast who are involved with this project. I, I kind of got a kick out of the fact that the fifth edition, the fourth and fifth edition PMBOK guides on the back, they said the essential tool for every project manager and the sixth edition comes and it took our tagline of by project managers for project managers. <laughs> I, I absolutely don't believe that's a coincidence. Oh, trademark. We should have. What were we thinking? But, um, but that's okay. <laughs> it's... Uh, I think people do listen to this podcast, and uh, we hear from some of them from time to time, you know, people who are influential in the in the industry. So what I would say is decide what you want to do with Agile. Get really deliberate and really clear for the seventh edition. Um, put the PMBOK guide on a diet. Trim it down. <laughs> maybe reduce some of these 1444 down to a little bit bigger topics and then decide what you want to do with Agile and be more deliberate because right now it's coming across a little bit strange in the PMBOK guide itself. Hmm. That's my take. So another higher level um, kind of a, you know, looking, looking down at the uh, forest, we've got 49 processes. So we went from 47 to 49. Right. That's and not we, such a big jump. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. not a big, that sounds pretty, pretty tame there. We did, you know, there's some nice changes that the, uh, renaming the sixth, the sixth chapter from time management to schedule management that's, that felt appropriate. A lot more appropriate. Yeah, um, and resource management, um, you know, now changes from human resource management. Yeah, so now so there's some clarity. Yeah, it's a little bit clearer. Yeah. The, uh, when you look at the process groups, uh, initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, controlling, and closing, the numbers there shifted slightly. There's still a big emphasis on planning. So there, you know, there's some consistencies there that we see. Um, but yeah, so 6th edition PMBOK guide is a big deal. I agree. Um, so for the most part, the only surprises came in as to how much it grew. And, you know, you have to ask yourself at the end of that looking back, okay, did the profession grow that much? Is this a reflection of what happened in the profession? Or is it, you know, everybody's got a new idea that they kind of bring to the table? So all I'm hoping for is that 7th, 8th, ninth editions looking out into the future don't continue that trajectory because at some point it becomes difficult to work with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a point where Tom Clancy decided, if I'm going to write a book, it's got to be over a thousand pages. And that was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> right. you're, you're making a big commitment. Now, here's, here is my take, though, Nick, and this is some good news. Um, 
The PMBOK guides changed, and some of those changes are really good, and some of them are a little bit tougher to, to work with, but I don't believe the March 26th exam is going to be reflective of that big of a change. Uh, here's why. What we see is that when the PMBOK guide comes out, the exam gets realigned to that guide. What that mm. means is uh, if a process name changed in the PMBOK guide, it changes on the exam. Mm. If an input tool or technique changed in the PMBOK guide, it gets changed on the exam. But there's not a lot of new content coming into it. Uh, just a few questions might be trimmed and replaced with other ones that were already vetted. Um, so what we'll see right now is a smaller realignment. We don't expect it to be earth shattering. Now, there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the project management community about it, but I don't think it's going to be so bad. When we'll see a bigger change is after the next role delineation study, mm, right. and that's when we all need to be watching to see what we learn. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people are, are pleased to hear you say that there's not going to be a, a major change, because I sort of get the impression with this uh, sixth edition that you, you kind of have to maybe even look at it through sort of a different filter, mm. um, uh, you know, with, with this Agile stuff coming in. So do you have to, at, at any time, at, in any way, look at the exam through different filters? You know, it's a good point that it raises awareness. Yeah. You know, we have this, we know the sixth edition PMBOK guide is one of the reference books or materials that those that are writing the test questions will reference. That's something they'll look at. So we do have to, to raise our awareness of these agile terms if they're new to us as an exam taker. But, you know, that's a good segue into what we really want to focus on in this conversation. Um, standardized tests present their own challenges, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we have uh, an accumulation of exam tips that we're excited to share with those who are preparing for these exams that when you're taking a standardized test, th this is just good advice. Whether it's fourth edition, fifth edition, sixth edition of some standard, man, this is just good stuff to know. So I think that's where we'll focus now. And fine-tuned for the PMP exam, which right. is something we've we've been working with and we understand pretty well. All right, let's talk about some of those tips. You know, what is first and foremost most important when uh, getting into this exam, Lewis? The most important thing to me is anxiety and stress. <laughs> and, you know, if you've never taken this exam or one like it before, you go in with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of yeah. risk, and you're going to be confronted with things that may be new to you. So my advice is reduce the number of new experiences as much as possible. Mm. Take some practice exams mm. so that you're used to uh, the, the mechanism of taking the exam. Uh, prepare yourself. You know, there's going to be some, uh, some knowledge to understand, some facts, and then there's going to be some understanding, some wisdom to mm. apply on the exam. So to me... Uh, do everything you can do to reduce your anxiety and stress going in. To me, those those are points. Right. Pure and simple. Yeah, Lewis, I've heard you say before with students and with others, um, if you can build a solid foundation, then you're going to be ready when those curveballs are thrown to you. When you're standing at the plate and you think it's a fastball, but it's a curveball, and you recognize <laughs> that. So mm -hmm. building that solid foundation of information, knowing the uh, the foundation then you're prepared to handle those scenario-based questions. Right. And the best way to prepare that foundation, go to a, re to a reputable boot camp. You know, it's almost like immersion. Mm. You know, really focus on the material. You need quality instructors. You need quality materials. 
for example. Hey, I'm, I'm, book, there's one on my the desk. Exam. <laughs> you know what? It's called How to Pass on the First Try. Mm, yeah. You know, that means a lot. Yeah. Do, do people normally pass on the first try? I, I mean, I, I love the title of that, by People the way. who read my book do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they attend our class. Obviously, yes. there's a need for, for that because uh, that implies that there's a whole bunch of people who aren't going to pass Well, you know what, try. Nick? You know what, Lewis's point? You don't underestimate the exam. Um, to me, there is an optimal amount of anxiety. So I see the world in terms of bell curves. Hmm. And if anxiety is really low, a lot of times your motivation and performance will be low, but mm. you want a certain amount of butterflies walking in yes. there. Uh, and so you want to be on your A game at that optimal level. Now, if anxiety keeps increasing, your performance is going to start to drop. Mm-hmm. And you'll see, and it, t- it kind of follows that typical bell curve. So uh, anxiety is not all bad, but too much anxiety can really work against Maybe you. Maybe at the right level to say, let's respect the exam. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, another, uh, this is a very practical tip, but one of the things that I don't want um, people to underestimate, the application takes a little bit of time. Right, you have to yeah. apply for this exam, and uh, in my case, I think it took maybe I don't know two to four hours of accumulating the right information to put in the form and submit to PMI. So you know, make sure that you've got some of the logistics taken care of. Uh, don't <clears throat> underestimate the application and wait till after you've fully prepared and then go. Oh yeah, I need to apply for this thing and fill it out truthfully because we have known people who have falsified information who have been banned from taking the exam. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not a good situation. You know what? Another thing is uh, don't put off taking the exam too long. Mm. I ran into a guy on the street this weekend who had read my book months ago, studied, and just put off taking the test. And Mm. I said, you know what? It's going to change on this date. And he got really motivated. So it was an interesting (laughs) thing. Uh, you, You don't put it off. Yeah, that's good advice. So much of the information that we have to know for the exam does not exactly align with our real-world experience. Right. There are terms there. There are uh, practices that are followed. You know, we've talked before about a project charter, things like that. Got to have a project charter when you're taking the exam. I may not have to have one if I'm doing a project at my company. That's that that's heresy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything uh, like that. Hey, Lewis, talk to us about the idea of doing a brain dump. Well, you know, the concept is there are things that you need to stay fresh. We have short-term memory. So as you prepare, you go to your boot camp, you're going to collect some formulas, some equations that will really benefit you on the exam. Now, you can prepare this before you sit in the exam room. You can practice writing out the list of formulas. And the key is you want to practice it so that when you get into the exam and your exam time starts – it's a good investment to take the first, you know, five minutes, mm. seven minutes. Now, don't take 10 and 15, <laughs> right. but take a few minutes up front. Uh, dump those formulas to your mm. scratch paper. Now, you may never look at them during the exam, but you have the security of knowing they are there. You will look at them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you will. And but, they're there. They're, you, you don't have to. I have I have messed up before. Uh, I think when I took my exam, there was one formula, uh, the formula for communication channels. Mm-hmm. I forgot to dump out, forgot to write down. I got to it on the exam. I could not remember. And so I'm drawing a crazy diagram on my page to count the number of communication channels just to figure it out because I had not done that. Right. Big spider web. So the concept is you reduce your stress because you know this material going in. Mm-hmm. You reduce your stress because you've got that formula sheet on your scratch paper. Whether you need to look at it or not, it's a security blanket. It's there. 
Yeah. Do all testing centers allow that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so that's a that's a. Uh, the way in which that's happened has changed over time, mm-hmm. and so now it can eat into your test time, mm-hmm. but it's still very worth doing it, Nick. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things uh, after taking this test, you'll realize is that you're going to have to guess on some questions. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by guess, I don't mean just close your eyes and throw a dart. Hopefully mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. But you are going to need to to narrow it down. And so one of the things that I recommend is try and eliminate any wrong answers that you see. So some students say, hey, you know what? When I'm studying for this exam, I can eliminate a couple of wrong answers. And Mm. then you've got probably a better than 50-50 shot, really. You've got two to pick from, but you can gravitate toward one. Um, another, Another way when you're guessing is to look for answers that sound like proactive leadership and Mm -hmm. to make the project manager accountable and in charge. Project managers are not in a a weak state here. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to eliminate any wrong answers that do that. But you know what? After reading this book, your instincts are going to be really good Mm -hmm. about what a right answer looks like. Yeah, the material Andy's book puts you in the right mindset. So much of this, you know, as I explained to people that are preparing for the exam, so much of this is putting on the hat, putting on the PMI hat, getting in there, in their brain, right. so to speak, for uh, it's for not this. how you would solve a problem. Yeah, not yeah. necessarily. Yeah, uh, remember PMI's test tricks as well. Um, you know, you may have questions that seem to ramble on and on, and they're confusing. You've got to kind of cut through it all to get to what are they actually asking me. Um, you may have answers on the exam that you're looking at, and you're going, "Wow, it sounds like I kind of skip a process here." I'd like to do that. That sounds good. No, you again for the exam. Never skip a formal process, right? right? Mm-hmm. You want to play by the rules that uh, that you've studied up. Don't take the easy way out. Uh, if there's a problem, act directly. Confront issues. Confrontation, right. collaboration. Those are favored responses. Uh, face-to-face communications. Problem solving is a yeah, favored problem approach. Problem solving, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, another piece of advice. Andy, you described the, uh, the different roles Right. Uh, related to projects, different roles that people play really well in the book. Uh, know those roles very clearly, be able right. to distinguish one from the other. Project manager, project controller, coordinator rather, project mm-hmm. expediter, sponsor, right. um, senior management, PMO. functional manager, project management office, all of these mm-hmm. you're going to need to know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Nick, I see your head going, yeah, yeah, I got that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, you know, I've, I've taken tests similar to this before. It, it seems like no matter how people work so hard to word the questions, there's always some sort of trick question yeah. That, yeah. That, that comes up. So, and that's about yeah. eight out of 10 on this test. <laughs> <laughs> they, do, they do a lot of scenario-based questions, and you'll get to the end of it and not be even sure what's being asked. So the rationale behind this, whether or not you agree with it, the thought process is, look, our job is not linear. And our job is not direct. And the Mm -hmm. solutions are not right in front of us. They're on the periphery. Mm -hmm. And they require you to sift through all of these facts to get down to the relevant facts. So that's the thought here. You know, and you have to decide that in that scenario what answer to choose. Mm -hmm. And the one that you would have chosen may not be in that list. So you really need to look for the best answer Mm -hmm. that best represents PMI's approach. Now, I'll tell you, whenever you're asked to make a decision in one of these scenarios as project manager, anytime you need to make a decision, one of the tricks, one of the keys is 
always do your homework right. before you make a decision. Mm. And so there are some trigger words that are talking about doing your homework. And so um, I like to use the uh, mnemonic fear DUI. <laughs> okay. So yes, whether I you do. do or not, let me say what this <laughs> If you take those letters, uh, find out, evaluate, assess, research, determine, hmm. understand investigate. Each mm. of these verbs really is a synonym for doing your homework before you make a decision. And many times you're asked, what's the next thing you should do in this scenario? Well, before you decide and jump to contusions, as I like to say, <laughs> um, you should do your homework. And if you see one of these words, it should trigger that response. You know mm. what What we were talking about earlier with being proactive and things like that, that's very true, but you don't ever run off half-cocked. So mm, yes. if, you, if you see an example, a question here with one of those trigger words, what I would do is I would make that the last answer that I struck off. Mm-hmm. If I, It may not be the right answer, but it's going to be the last one that I eliminate. That's good. I, Lewis, I've heard you use the analogy before that yeah, these are multiple choice questions and you have A, B, C, and D, and only one of those is going to be the best choice. It's like a beauty contest. Mm-hmm. You have four contestants and you're looking. You may not really think any of them are that attractive, but you got to pick one of them. Well, you got to wait for the talent event before you decide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it. So is there a certain process that you ought to go mm-hmm. through for each question that you come upon? Yeah, you know what? I want to make sure I read the question correctly. So that's a big part of it. And then to look and say, the answer that I picked, did it match what was being asked? Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, there are questions with math and logic. And I want to review those and make sure that I uh, answered it, uh, uh, did the math right. Hmm. Okay, what about... When you get to, uh, you're, there's always this self-doubt when I take yeah. a, a, a test. You know, it's like I pick a question and maybe I, I go down and answer a few other questions and then something pops into my head. I go, huh, maybe I didn't answer that other question back up here mm. correctly based upon what they're asking me here. Uh, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's good. And, and that that's a good that's a good piece of advice because that really hap- that happened to me on the exam for sure. I encountered a question. I was a little vague on it. And then a, a f- a follow-up question, a question that came later, triggered, oh, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got clarity now on that one before. So I've marked that one for review. You know, first of all, when I'm taking that that first question, I can mark it for review. Now I go back and I look at it. Here's the word of caution. Um, don't change all your answers, right? <laughs> you have to be very careful with that. You I, need to mark the ones you change because yeah, you in my case, I changed too many when I was studying for the exam. And uh, I started, what I realized, what I learned is that, hey, I can talk myself out of any correct answer <laughs> if you give me enough time. And B, you know what? My instincts for my first guess are really good. Mm. So I need to trust those. And so I really did have to limit the, the percentage that I changed unless I had a really good reason. You know, Andy, was it Aristotle that said, know thyself? Mm. You know, that was the oracle at Delphi. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. But know thyself is the point here. Right. So as you go into the exam, that's not the time to determine, number one, am I a good guesser? Yes. And number two, uh, okay. is my first instinct usually correct? Right. That's something that you learn about yourself, taking practice exams, mm. keeping track, and marking it. Yeah, mark it. That's no, an easy way to do it. Yeah, That's good. Uh, guys, I want to go negative for a minute. <gasps> if I'm listening to this, I may be thinking, okay, this is good, good, good. What, what about those people that fail? 
You know, Let's what just happens say they there? don't pass. Okay, that's mm-hmm. better. Yeah. yeah, they don't pass. You know what? They get a participation trophy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I feel better already. <laughs> but for me, you know, there's there's so much great literature out there in the business world about learning from failure. So we can learn a lot from those who did not pass the exam the first on their first try. You know, we've heard from students, you know what? I just underestimated this thing. Yeah. Or I've got 20 yeah. years of experience as a PM. I don't need to really study for this. Yeah. You know, I can just go in there and knock it out. Um, you know, one of the other common things that we heard of was running out of time. Yeah, I, that's that's not the most common thing, but some people can do it. They freeze up with that clock, mm-hmm. and uh, that's all they can really focus on. Well, did you notice when you took the exam, the clock got bigger and bigger <laughs> and, <laughs> and louder? The, the background music, dum 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 dum. Yeah, it's uh, it can be intimidating. So just again back to to Lewis's point about taking practice test questions. That way, you get a sense for how much time you're taking. That's good. Whenever I'm running out of time on a test, you know, my anxiety increases exponentially sure. with, with, with each second. Is, is there a point where you need to say, okay, I just need to breathe and concentrate and focus? And how do you do that when the clock mm-hmm. is ticking? Yeah, yeah. You I, just do. <laughs> <laughs> just do it, Nick. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of willpower to control that anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that'll happen uh, not on the first question necessarily that you didn't know the answer to, but it can you know, consecutively, you get several questions in a row. You're thinking, which exam am I sitting in? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, if you if you pace things properly, you might have time to take a quick break. Yes. But if mm-hmm. you feel your anxiety rising, look away from the screen. Stop and take a deep breath. Hold it for five to six seconds. Let it out slow. Mm-hmm. Take another deep breath. There's some breathing techniques to work against that anxiety. Um, yeah, deep breaths do counter you know, anxiety in mm-hmm. that case. And Lewis, you said if you have, if you pace yourself, you might be able to take a quick break. Look, I'm a fan. Take breaks. Mm. I need to take a break. I need to walk away from the monitor. I need to stretch. I need to breathe deeply yeah. and I need to come back. And I do it over and over and over again. And it bugs the proctor mm-hmm. and they can just deal with it. <laughs> it's their job to deal with that. Yeah, so. this, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is right. four hours, 200 questions. So yeah, I definitely needed a break when I was taking that. I guarantee you the proctor doesn't lie awake at night thinking about that guy who took several breaks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whenever I come across a question that says the best answer, you, you mentioned that before, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's not the answer I would have right. chosen, but but the best answer, you know, what are some of the, the key words we need to kind of, you know, put our uh, red flag up for? Here's what makes me laugh about that. You know, Lewis talked about a beauty contest. Um, to me, this is almost like a, an ugly baby contest. And <laughs> so sometimes you have four answers and none of them are the one you would pick. They're all crying and have dirty diapers. Right. <laughs> so I'm thinking about that Seinfeld episode now. So <laughs> baby's stunning. <laughs> and I'm speechless. The only way to answer these questions is to really learn the processes, learn the inputs, learn the tools and techniques and outputs. And you sometimes have to pick the least ugly answer, okay? (laughs) It's a reality. Every one of us has had that uh, on this exam, though. You have to say, uh, none of these is really a great answer, so I'm going to pick the one that works the closest. Mm. Lewis, you had so many years of experience with a really a very mature company in doing project management in so many different roles. How did you put that stuff on the shelf 
and put on the hat of PMI when you went and took the exam? You know, that's the hardest thing for the experienced project manager, and that just takes discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're taking your, your boot camp, when you're reading Andy's book, when you're taking practice exams, you've got to take off that company yep. hat and mm-hmm. you've got to put on the PMI hat. Now, I'll tell you a tip that I, I feel is really helpful. You've got to understand PMI's philosophy. Yes. And I tell you what, there are paragraphs dedicated to that in each chapter in Andy's book that mm. help you understand this. What's the PMI philosophy here? You know, I talk about the golden rule. Well, in this exam, PMI has the gold. It's their certificate. <laughs> they, they make, make the rules. They make the rules. It's their test. It's their correct answers. You've got to use their philosophy in answering. You know what, Lewis? When you look at this, uh, going through the vocabulary matters a lot, too. Because mm-hmm. what you regularly see, you'll see somebody who spent their work in the military. And they may, what we call a project, they may refer to as a program. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find people who have done procurement in a highly formal way that they may get frustrated when they come up against the procurement uh, section in the in the PMBOK guide or in my book because uh, it's different than the way they've done it and the way they've had to. Mm-hmm. Andy, I'm so glad you mentioned that. There was, there's one point that uh, to me is a very important tip that we can share. You've got a, I can't even remember how many pages it is, but in the back of the book, there's a glossary of terms. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that is so valuable. Many times, I'll tell students, hey, all I want you to do the night before right. the exam is just go back and leave through that glossary. Just, again, immerse yourself in the words, the terms, the phrases right. that you'll see on the exam. I would do that a couple hours before the exam, sit down with a cup of coffee, go over those terms in the glossary. You're right. It gets you in the mindset. Mm. Uh, I've got another just kind of a speaking of mindset in this exam. Lewis, can I guess at questions? Should I leave them blank? You know, give me some advice on okay. that. If you've got 10 minutes left and the exam is about to be timed out, hit the review button, look at all the questions. Make sure you've got an answer. You know, right. you answer never get a point for a blank answer. Okay. Now, the ones you've already answered and maybe you don't have time to review, you've got a pretty good chance that you did it correctly the first time. But the ones you've not answered, guess. If you're mm. running out of time, yeah. now I won't say answer question C to everyone. You know, answer C. <laughs> there's there's right. really no logic in that. Yeah. But um, – you know, answer something because there are no points for a blank answer. Well, you don't leave them blank and you can mark a question for review. Mm -hmm. And that's important too, because my strategy is almost without exception, I would pick the best answer I thought at that moment. Right. If I didn't know and I wanted to come back, I'd mark it for review. I'm not going to leave anything blank unless there's some extraordinary reason to at that point. Yeah. Certainly not when I ended. (laughs) I don't want to point any fingers here, but I know a lot of people who make tests end up throwing something in to just kind of throw you off, to try to distract you. Uh, Are we going to find this on this exam? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In short. Here's here's where you start. Nick, when I get to a long question, um, the first thing I do is think this is a scenario-based question, and then my eye will go directly to the very last sentence because it may ask you, what is the first process you would perform in this situation or what process contains this tool or something? You almost mm. don't even need to read the rest of the scenario. It's full of distracting information and red herrings. Now, I'm not really advocating that you don't read the question. But I am saying it'll give you a good idea a lot of times, probably four times out of five, it'll give you a really good idea. 
What about if you, you know, come to an answer, you, you, you read the question, you see an answer, oh, that's it. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and I've done that before. Uh, no, you read all the answers before making your selection yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andy's advice about you know doing that review and making sure that you've read the question correctly is so true. I, I if I see something that I think is familiar, I tend to jump right down to an yeah. answer, and I need mm-hmm. to slow down. All right. Any other general advice uh, that we could give our listeners who are, are th- preparing for this exam? We certainly have a lot of resources that we would direct them to. Um, Also, if you use the book, it's got over 450 practice questions. They're going to get you very ready uh, for the way the exam is going to approach these questions and answers and the way they're going to be oriented. Good stuff. Well, we want to say a special thanks to Lewis for joining us today. And Andy and Bill, we always appreciate your perspective and advice. Thank you, Nick. And in appreciation to our listeners, we always try to give you something extra. We know you're always on the lookout for ways to earn PDUs, professional development units, toward your recertifications. And we make it easy and free. Just go to VelociTeach.com and select Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and just click through the steps. That's it for us here on Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in on March 6th for our next podcast. In the meantime, you can visit us at VelociTeach.com slash Manage This to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or to contact us and tweet us at Manage underscore This if you have any questions about our podcasts or about project management certifications. We are here for you. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.